Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Final hour on this Tuesday on a best of the Steve Jones Show. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve enjoying a well-deserved vacation all this week. But Steve always in the Sunbury Motor Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. A great selection of pre-owned inventory. And a great service department there for your current vehicle. With the diagnostics, with the inspections, with all the simple routine maintenance like an oil change. And the sales department is also there for you, not just there for the sale. All part of the Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Today's show has all been about Philly sports with a little bit of horse racing mixed in in the final half hour. We go now to NBC Sports Philly's Michael Barkin, who joined us a couple of weeks ago, talking Philly, Sixers, Eagles, and more with Steve. With great humility, I introduce somebody I consider to be the great Michael Barkin. Sir, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Stop it. Stop. It's just how I wrote it, though, isn't it? Thank you very much. Uh, did Steve I put Jones. the inf- How are you, my friend? Did I put the inflection in the spot you wanted? <laughs> it was, it was, you were spot on. Hey, by the way, I want to ask you publicly. Back you right into a corner. We had our charity outing yesterday. We have a family charity. It's called the Barkham Family Healing Hearts Foundation. Mm-hmm. I would love it if you would play next year. It was at French Creek Golf Club in Elverson, Pennsylvania. It's a beautiful course. It's a blast to play. I don't know if you can come do your show from there. I'm just extending it to you. You can think about it. you got 364 days. There you go. Okay. Well, with 364 days to go, the answer is yes. So, <laughs> how about that? <laughs> I'd love to I love be a it. part of it. To be a part of something for a, great, for a great charity like that, you bet I will. Awesome. And, by the way, we have a, a former Penn Stater out there with us, too, Brandon Noble. Was, ah, uh, Noble. DT, defensive tackle, play for Washington. Lost a lot of weight. i got to give him credit. He's dropped a few LBs. He's done well. He has dropped a few LBs. He also played for uh, the Cowboys. We don't mention that in Philadelphia, as you know, Steve. <laughs> oh, no. You notice I didn't mention that part. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I, whis- I whispered it as I introduced him yesterday. Great yeah. guy, but played for a team that shall not be named. You know what I refer to them as? Them. What? Yeah. <laughs> them. them. That's good. I'm going to start that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Uh, All right. So what's going on? How are so you? I'm doing great, and thank you for the invitation. It means a lot that it came from you. So, yes, the answer will be yes. Uh, thank you. So, now, let's knock it around and have a little fun here. You're sitting in the Sixers front office, and you can give James Harden the max deal, do you? Oh, man. You know, that's that's a tough one for me. I I didn't see what I thought I would see from James Harden this season. He had had a game in the playoffs, a game against Miami, I guess, when he put the team on his back. But but other than that, 
I, I don't know if you have other options, but um, you know he, he's you know he's got to opt in. They've got to opt in, and I I would um, I I guess I I guess I would. I I don't know what are the choices that they have, Steve. I I really don't. And but but he did not do the job that I thought he was going to do, and I thought in the minds of, of most. Sixers fans and observers, uh, it was the exact same thing. So, you know, when we when we saw him come to Philadelphia, I think we thought we were still getting a, a forget about a top five player. We thought we were getting maybe a top ten player. I don't mm-hmm. think you can say that about him. So, um, Max Steele, mm, uh, I, I guess I I guess I'd have to, but I, you know, it makes me nervous. I'll tell you. What do you think? You answered it verbatim exactly the way I would have. Same thing. I'd be sitting back and I'd say, okay, wait a minute. Next week's a big week because it leads to July 1st. Mm-hmm. What are our options here? And if it right. turns out that is the best option, I, I get back against the wall, then I've got to consider doing it if that's my best option. And that's, that's yeah. I, I feel the same way you do about it. You, you answered it the same way I would have because – I didn't quite get what I hoped I would get out of him, but maybe now a completely healthy understanding his role, maybe that means something. Uh, I hope so. You know, I, when yeah. I look at this team, I just think, are they any closer now to forget about winning a championship, just even getting to a conference championship level? Are, are they any closer to that? I, I don't I don't think the answer is yes. Um, Joel Embiid is a phenom. He's been one. Yep. But um, my old pal Ike Reese used to say, "You can't make the club in the tub." And and unfortunately, <laughs> he's been he's been injured more than his fair share, and he's been injured at the worst possible time. And and while that might not be his fault, it still remains the case. So I concern myself with that. I concern myself whether or not they have a bona fide second superstar, uh, the the kind of guy Harden is supposed to be, and maybe even a third. And uh, they've got some great parts, but whether or not they can bring them together to even get to that conference championship level, I don't know. And they drafted 23 on Thursday, Michael. Uh, I I haven't looked at any mock drafts until today, so I finally look at one, and I see Walker Kessler. I'm like, Walker Kessler? (laughs) Really? Okay. That tells me there's no help in the draft unless there's something stunning. Well, and I've seen other mock drafts that say Blake Wesley from from Notre Dame, or or Wendell Moore from Duke, who's the the small forward. Uh, Wesley, of course, is a guard. And they're both of those players are, are ranked lower on the totem pole. Um, but you know, who knows what Daryl Morey might do once that thing gets going? I, I don't know. They're getting the Nets pick because the Nets defer. Uh, after the the Harden trade, that was their pick, and they're not taking it this year. Right. Uh, I've got to ask you about John Tortorello. I know that the Flyers have a long way to go. He at least does have a resume that has a Stanley Cup in it. He's also a very interesting guy in press conferences. What do you think about the hire? Well, you know, I I think he is one of the great characters in hockey in the NHL. He's got a yeah. great pedigree. I, I love the, the the line that when every time I think of John Tortorella it just comes right in my mind. Shut your yap. Shut your <laughs> yap. What he said to former Flyers coach in the conference finals. Oh my goodness! I'm trying to remember when, when that might have been. 2012, 
12, 10. 12? And, and 12, Hitchcock yeah. had something. What, sorry? No, go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, and, and, and uh, uh, but but that, that was what, what Turner He said he shouldn't even be talking about one of my players. He shouldn't even have to, you know what, shut your yap. And I, I loved I always loved that, <laughs> that he went there. And, and I love Hitchcock, too. Uh, great coach. Uh, but, yeah. but, John, here's the only thing. He, he kind of uh, uh, he kind of seems like Elaine Vigneault with an A on the end of his name, you know. And, yeah. and um, so, to me, they're, they're somewhat similar uh, coaches. They're they're kind of disciplinarians. They kind of like to bust it a little bit. And um, so, uh, I'm hoping that Tortorella can get more from from what the Flyers have than than what Elaine Vigneault did. And I also question with the Flyers whether or not they, they have the talent that they need to have. So you can have the greatest coach in the world, but you know at the, at the major league level, uh, which is the NHL, you, you, you've got to have the players. And um, I know Cam Atkinson, uh, the veteran Flyers forward, vouched for Tortorella saying, in fact, he, he brought it up in, a, in an exit interview. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that uh, they can bring this team together and, and they can be the Flyers the way we've known them in Philadelphia for so many years. Well, Steve Kerr is a perfect example. When Curry and Thompson were out, they didn't even come. They had a seven-month vacation uh, one year. Yeah. I mean, right. and then you know, and then last year with Thompson out, they they got to the eight nine game. This year, they've got everybody they win. So I mean, look, he's a we we acknowledge he's an excellent coach, but personnel certainly does aid the coaching. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I gotta yeah, so, but now that so that that's a perfect transition to the last part here. The yes, Phillies, the Phillies change one guy, and it's the manager. And it's mm-hmm. Robbie Thompson. Why the difference? I think a couple of reasons. One, um, Kyle Schwarber, who had been struggling mightily, started to hit. You know, he won the National League Player of the Month last June in 2021. Very well might win it again in 22. And I don't know if you can blame that on Joe Girardi, that Kyle Schwarber did what he's done over the past the recent past in struggling in April and May, but he's coming on like gangbusters in June. So you, you've got a bona fide um, leadoff guy. Uh, Reese Hoskins also is starting to come around. And that one through five spot, the leadoff through, through five spot, has for the most part been the same for the last 20 games or so. So that's, that's one. And the players are producing. So that, that's the first thing. Also, um, Baseball is a game, man. It's it's played. It's a team sport, but it's played individually. You got to get in the batter's box and 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 hit when you're called upon. You you've got to be on the pitcher's mound and and make the pitches when called upon. Balls hit to you. You got to do it. And I think you need a certain mentality to do that. And sometimes the vibe is just not there in the clubhouse. And whether you're the manager, the players, or, or observing the team, no one can explain why that is. But yes, I do think that Robbie Thompson coming in has made a big difference for this team. I think he's just he's just uh, got a different feel about him than did Joe Girardi. And the, the guys are playing for him. So, you know, I, I, um, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is other than also the, the bullpen, which has really been an issue for the team during this stretch, for the most part, has settled down somewhat. I'm not saying it's been good. 
but it hasn't cost them games like it had prior to Girardi's departure. So, you know, now Bryce Harper's been out for the past two games. We haven't had the lineup for tonight. They're at Texas this evening. And I don't know, he's got a blister on his left hand just below his, his left index finger and above his palm. And he was called upon to pinch it the other night and did quite well. And the, the blister is healed, but there's an infection under there. And I don't know whether or not Harper's going to go tonight, but they need him. He's going to be an all-star at the DH position, for goodness sakes. Who would have thought that that would have happened prior to the season? So he's been carrying the team as well. I hope he's back in the lineup tonight. You're always a difference maker for us, Michael. Thank you so much for your valuable time. Appreciate you very much. Thank you. You know it, Steve. Anytime. Just let me know. In 364 days, baby, you're mine. All right. I, I, I'm I there. I am. I will be there. I promise you. Thanks, Michael. You got it. All right. All right. Thanks, Michael. And that is NBC Sports Phillies, Michael Barkin, who joined us a couple of weeks ago. Always good to have Michael B. join us here on the show. So that'll do it for our Philly sports-themed portion of today's Best of Show. In the final half hour, going to switch things over to some horse racing as the horse racing reporter for Fox Sports, Lafitte Pinkai joins us. He joined us after the Kentucky Derby, recapping what was another historic derby with 80-to-1 favorite Red Strike getting the W. So we'll play that in the final half hour. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humboldt Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. It is a best of the Steve Jones Show here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Final half hour here of the best of the Steve Jones Show on this Tuesday. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve on vacation this week, but is always in the Sunbury Motors Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Switching things now to horse racing. Lafitte Pinkai from Fox Sports joined us after another historic Kentucky Derby with Rich Strike getting the win as an 80-to-1 favorite. And Lafitte Pinkai joined us to recap that historic race several weeks ago. Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. 
The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We're joined by, from Fox Sports, Lafitte Pinkai. Lafitte, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Great to be with you guys. How are you? It was a terrific, terrific call from Larry. Absolutely. You're not, you know, it's the last horse that you're looking for. It's the biggest price on the board and uh, picking him up on the rail. And you could hear in his voice, like the rest of the 150,000 at Churchill Downs, just pure, genuine shock. And 12.6 million watching on TV felt the same way. Uh, Our mutual friend, Dick Girardi, you know, and of course I I travel all year round with Dick on basketball, but uh, I had him on the show Thursday. And of course, Rich Strike doesn't come up in the conversation because at that point he's not in the field. <laughs> okay? And so when it was over, I texted him. I texted him, you have to be kidding me. He texted me back, impossible result. What was your thought watching this? I, just that. Um, it was similar to how I felt watching my Mad Bird cross the wire in front at 50-1. Yeah. Uh, a little over a decade ago, uh, the race shape was much like Giacomo at yeah. 50 to 1, but at least you had covered them going into the Derby. At least you knew they were pointing at the race and were their names and they were assigned numbers at the draw. You have to realize that also eligible list isn't, hasn't even, even been in existence for very long. It hasn't been many years that we've had an also eligible list for the Derby, whereas they draw the 20, and that would be it. If a horse scratched, there wasn't anybody on the bubble waiting to get in. So this is right. relatively new. I have to actually go back and look and see when that was sort of when that was created. Um, so when Ethereal Road scratched, which is a huge part of the story, you know that right. Wayne Lucas likes to run, and you know that he's won derbies at big prices, and he won the Oaks the day the day before. So yeah, obviously he wasn't up to it. So when he scratched and this horse drew in, okay, we'll, we'll have a number 21 in the Kentucky Derby, but I don't know why. You wouldn't do the deep dive research because he just uh, just didn't figure. So that lack of familiarity, of course, we've seen big shocks and upsets in the Derby, but not not like this. This is this is impossible. Oh, my wife and I are sitting in a restaurant. They're doing the, doing the march by, and she says, who does Dick like? And I said, you know, we, we talked about you know, the favorites in the field. And all of a sudden, he parades by. And at that point, he was 79 to 1. I said, I said, I don't know. I looked at her. I said, I don't even think the owner bet on him. <laughs> he was 99 to 1 uh, a few clicks, like yeah. a little bit earlier. Yeah. Now, when you watch the race, the tactics of the race, I want to talk about the jockey for a moment. The, the jockey, to me, is a good example of a sport that has a lot of talent in it, but it's not always the major stars. But it doesn't mean that because you're at a smaller track or other tracks, there's not a lot of talent. And I think he showed great talent by the way he got through traffic. Guy that has never won a greatest stakes race in his life. Uh, wins his first greatest stakes race in a derby, riding in his first Kentucky Derby. Sonny Leone rides at Mahoning Valley, some of these smaller tracks. In that one ride, you're never going to convince me that he's not 
really good at what he does. Yeah. It's, it's, it's horse racing. Um, the jockey, of course, plays a, a vital role, but I think that for someone like a Sonny Leon, that if you gave him stock and he had good horses to ride, he'd be productive while watching yeah. him for two minutes deliver an absolute cr- clutch ride in a very challenging scenario, the weaving through traffic, every decision he had to make. You know, when a horse goes wire to wire, the jockey gets him to break fast, right. and you make the lead, and you nurse him along, and you ask him for his best when that time comes. It's a fairly simple strategy. What Sonny Leone did, coming from that far back, timing it just right, weaving in and out of traffic. If he makes one wrong decision, he probably doesn't catch Epicenter. And so crucial when he went towards the inside, if he tries to go all the way around horses, he's going to lose too much ground. He's going to lose momentum. Uh, He did encounter some traffic along the way. Uh, The ride was as big a part of the victory as 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 anything else was. And this is life-changing for him. This is absolutely life-changing. At the well put, it is life changing for him because because of the twenty horse field, it brings with it exponentially more traffic. You're not supposed to be sixteenth at the turn because of the traffic and do this. How difficult is it to be a come from behind horse in the Kentucky Derby because of the number of horses in the field? Yeah, the racing plays a vital role. This is always why you would prefer a horse with tactical speed in a derby. Um, And Joel Rosario on Epicenter rode tactically a brilliant race. Uh, Sensing the pace was so hot, getting him further back than he normally would be. If he was closer to that nuclear pace, he would have tired and not finished as strong. Um, You watch Jerry Bailey's ride on Grindstone, one of the best derby rides you'll ever see on a closer picking his spots, weaving in and out of traffic, and he beat Cavanier by a nose. If he loses momentum, has to check, goes wide. And if anything wrong goes, he doesn't get there again. He won by millimeters in that 96 derby. Um, it's, it's something that riders aren't accustomed to. It doesn't happen. You, you ride in 20 horse fields when? Once in the derby. That's it. So when you're back there, you know that what I know – what you try to do, what I remember Jerry Bailey's explained on the broadcast, you try to pick a horse that you think is going to be finishing well, that you can count on, that you believe going in, okay, if I stay behind this horse, I don't think he's going to stop right in my face and I have to pull up and go around and find another path. You try to find a quality horse to follow. That's something Jerry Bailey always emphasized. Um, it's snap, you know, in that moment, the thinking that has to happen, it's all its instinct. It's your talent. Um, it, and in his case, Sonny Leone, and that, you know, made every right move on a horse that nobody knew uh, anything yeah. about. I can't tell you how many times I've watched the race, and it's, it's, it's still, it's just as, a, as the fan in me, still hasn't quite processed it, how incredibly impossible this storyline is. A horse that was claimed for $30,000. It wasn't in the race Friday morning, won the Derby. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's Buster Douglas. Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you look at the last couple of Derbies, 
each one, you know, there was a disqualification. Then, of course, Medina's spirit, you know, finally got overturned. He had a full house, 150,000-plus, big audience, this improbable result. What kind of day was this for the sport of racing? It's a feel-good story. It really is. And it's been beaten up pretty good over the last year with what took place with Medina Spirit, the most recognizable figure in the sport, and Bob Baffert, and, and it yeah. being his horse that he trained that was disqualified. Uh, the, we lost Medina Spirit, all of it. Um, it. It becomes, for someone who doesn't know the sport very well, trying to explain it, um, you don't want to sound like an apologist, and sometimes certain things happen that are, it makes it very difficult for someone who doesn't follow closely to, you know, to not look at the game in a negative, from a negative perspective. And it's understandable at times. Absolutely it is. Um, so as a result of what happened last year, um, this, was, this was the polar opposite. This is the sport at its best. It's a long shot. How can you not root for an underdog? This is, as he's now being referred to as, you know, America's horse and that you don't have to be a gazillionaire and spend a zillion dollars at a sale to come up with a horse that can win a Kentucky Derby. Um, a $30,000 claim, an incredible story with trainer Eric Reed, who has gone through a lot of personal tragedy, yeah. um, losing people close to him. Uh, yeah. A grandson, friends from cancer. He lost several, maybe a couple dozen horses in a yeah. barn fire. Um, it's been incredibly, as he describes it, uh, very dark, and at times I believe he's pointed out that just the love for the horses is the only thing that's kept him in the game. And to wind up where he is, and in that moment, what that means to him, and to be there with his father, and all those emotions. This is everything that's right in the sport, and I'm glad that our that the world got to see what the sport looks like, feels like, sounds like when everything when it the way it should feel. In fact, I'm glad you brought that up because um, the barn fire, he almost got out of it. And yet there were a lot of people within the sport that rallied around him. And these are these are elements that, like, you know about, I've heard about, you know, being around Dick, I'll hear a lot of this stuff. There are far more really good people around these things than people realize, and this was a good example of it. Absolutely. And I promise you that when the millions tune in to watch the Freakness in two weeks, this kind of, everybody watching is going to be rooting for Rich Strike. Like if you have a, a soul and heart and a pulse, um, <laughs> I don't know how you can't root for this horse because of what he represents, the people around him. Um, Eric Reed was explaining what took place after the race because he was still – in that zone. These are athletes, all right? They're not pets. And when they pulled him up and he was kind of fighting at the pony and bit the outrider's leg, and, you know, I'm assuming (laughs) that's probably why we didn't hear from Donna Brothers talking to the jockey and Sonny Leone because she probably couldn't get near him. And he's like, he's still in that zone, man. His mindset was to beat every horse on that track. And here's another one i got to beat, even the pony. He was... Still, in that, in that, in that, it's like an athlete gets in the zone. That's what you still saw from Rich Strike after the fact, and 
probably a big reason that he wound up winning the Derby. The Derby's about racing luck, ta- racing luck talent, and mental fortitude. That horse has the mental fortitude, and that's what that's what we saw. That killer instinct that he was still displaying a couple of minutes, you know, even after after the win, after a mile and a quarter in that effort, you think he'd be exhausted? No, he was <laughs> he was ready right. for more. Right, which is another part of his, his personality, a characteristic that someone at home who doesn't follow the sport closely can connect with that every great athlete has a mean streak. Is he a great racehorse? We don't know that. Was this a right. fluke? Maybe. We're going to find yeah. out. Mind that bird came yeah. back and ran very well in the Freakness. Um, took yeah. Rachel Alexander to beat him. And he ran very well in the Belmont. Uh, so that, that wasn't a fluke. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, one of the keys is is that when you watch the Derby about the Belmont, now it's obviously it's further down the road, but a mile and a half. Look at the next hundred yards after the finish. Does the horse still have something? That horse had something a hundred yards after the finish. <laughs> he, he had something all right for anybody that got near him. Um, yeah, that you know, dead closers don't necessarily thrive at the Belmont, and that's still a long way away. But yeah, he wasn't tired. If he gets beat no. in Preakness, it's not going to be because, you know, the Derby took so much out of him. I didn't get that sense after the race. Now we'll watch him closely. There's always the, right. how do they gallop? How is their energy? How is their weight? As Bob Baffert has often pointed out, it's not the two weeks in between the Derby and the Preakness that gets the horse. It's the three weeks in between the Preakness and the Belmont. That's when they start showing signs of fatigue and difficulty keeping weight on, that kind of thing. Um, he's going to be... Um, you have to remember the competition in the Preakness. You know that the two California horses aren't going to be there in Messi and Tavia, right. which right. I, uh, I'm disappointed. I hope that that wasn't too negative of an experience for Tavia, that we don't see him maximize his potential, because I think that was just too much too soon, and I said that before, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, we know Todd Fletcher, unless he wins the Derby, he doesn't run his horses in the Preakness. Uh, you know, right. the Mo Donegals and charge it, I would guess, for the Belmont. I would yep. imagine epicenter. Um, I don't know about Zandon, but the Preakness, from a competition standpoint, Rich Strike, it's gonna. The competition won't be what it was at the Derby in terms of right. volume and talent. So, uh, if he can reproduce his run from the Derby, who knows? Maybe we're talking about this former thirty thousand dollar maiden claimer who wasn't in the Derby the day before the Derby, bidding for a triple crown. Well, then let's all have fun with it. All right, absolutely. It's a great story. <laughs> let's let's have fun what the with game it. It's an awesome Cinderella story, and let's let's you know ride it as long as as long as we can. Exactly, it's fun. That's what sports is supposed to be—fun. All right, Lafitte, always a pleasure. Great, great to have you on the show. Anytime, anytime. Thanks so much. Talk soon. And that is horse racing reporter for Fox Sports, Lafitte Pinkai after another memorable Kentucky Derby. So coming up tomorrow as we continue our best-of shows this week, we'll make it a Pittsburgh sports-themed day, along with some Penn State alumni. So looking forward to that show coming up tomorrow. Today's show has been brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble Fourth, and online at sunburymotors.com. Thanks for joining us here on a best of the Steve Jones Show. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.